0: Equal Housing Lender. Member FDIC. Copyright 2024. U.S. Bank.
2: My mission is simple, to make you money. I'm here to level the playing field for all investors. There's always a bull market somewhere, and I promise to help you find it. Mad Money starts now. Hey, I'm Kramer. Welcome to Mad Money. Welcome to Kramer. I'll be one of my friends who's trying to make you some money. My job is not just to entertain you, but to educate you and to teach you. So call me at 1-800-743-CBC or tweet me at Jim Kramer. After a calm day, where money rotated back into tech, even though people said it wouldn't, Dow gaining 115 points, S&P climbing 0.74%, Nasdaq pole voting 1.67%. You need to understand that this week is about one thing and one thing only. It is about earnings. First time it's been like that in a while. Yet this is the most overwhelming week of earnings season, when a ridiculous number of companies report at the exact same time. So let me give you the game plan for navigating a confusing, if not impossible to understand, period. All right, it's going to start right with tomorrow. We hear from McDonald's, one of the restaurants that can thrive in this environment, right? I mean, I'd be surprised if it wasn't an upside surprise. I'd be disappointed. We get results from Pfizer, which should have a good quarter. But we also want more color on their COVID vaccine. Then there's 3M. They needed to tell a better story than last time, a story about how their safety division's on fire. Their auto business has turned, and China's coming back. Sadly, I don't think you get any of that. Then we have Raytheon, the defense and aerospace company that will give us a glimpse of the broader industry before Boeing reports on Wednesday. I have a decent feeling about Raytheon because CEO Greg Hayes runs a tight ship. But I fear we won't hear anything good about Boeing. I'm concerned about aerospace because we're simply not seeing any travel pick up. Actually, it's come down a little bit, especially now that the rest of the world seems to be getting hit with the second wave of the pandemic. I I didn't feel that good after speaking to Gary Kelly, the the CEO of Southwest. He's the best. I'm still worried about all things aero. I was looking for where to take my Christmas vacation. Every place I checked, that won't even let us go. Buzzkill. Starbucks reports after the close. And I think this is a key component of any barbell portfolio. One where you have a balance of COVID stocks and recovery stocks. Starbucks is now scorned as a place that can't handle traffic or lines in the age of social distancing. And they can't capitalize on the rebound in China. I think that's unfair. They're rolling out new stores that don't have seating, and I bet we'll be shocked by the pickup in sales. We hear from AMD, Kramer fave AMD, on Tuesday morning. And until their arch-rival Intel screwed up, I just saw the chief uh, engineer just quit. I would say, or quit. (laughs) I would say... own this stock into the quarter. But now it's a stretch because the stock went up by almost 10 points on the news that Intel's screwing up. I am confident there will be enough pauses though to keep the stock from trading anywhere near back down to where it was before Intel dropped the ball. In the end, I think they're beating Intel on the tech with tons of terrific new generation processors uh, and some great video chips by the way. Alright, the Robin Hood gang loves GE, which and they report Wednesday. Will they be satisfied with these numbers? Do they understand the numbers? I expect a bit of a letdown as they've got too much aerospace exposure. Oh, don't worry about it. They'll just rotate into Ford or something. Speaking of aerospace, there's also the aforementioned Boeing. I think the CEO will dig himself a deeper hole in the conference call that will be difficult to climb out of. The best thing they can say is that they don't need a bailout. My advice Let the much beloved CFO do the talking and please say a good word about American Airlines, which people which has not been able to lift ever since you said that one carrier might go under. We hear from PayPal after the close financial technology so loved that these guys could deliver a so so quarter. I still think the stock would rally. It's if it's genuinely good. Sky's the limit. Then there's Shopify. Who else was on to Shopify as early as I was? It's another stock people can't resist. The the only time this e-commerce enabler goes down is when shorts push it lower off the quarter, causing befuddled longs to panic. That's your buying opportunity. After the close, we hear from ServiceNow, one of our cloud kings, and CEO Bill McDermott has done a fabulous job of making his company essential to large enterprises. I think in rally as long as we don't get another wholesale rotation out of the cloud stocks. His whole company, uh, SAP, reported a good number uh, last night. Let's not forget Washington. The House is holding a market concentration hearing with Tim Cook from Apple, Jeff Bezos from Amazon, Sundar Pichai from uh, Alphabet, and Mark Zuckerberg from Facebook. I don't think it will be a big deal, but there's always a possibility that things could get ugly, Uh, When uh, big tech CEOs head to the Hill, it's really a a humbling process. What else? We'll hear from Fed Chief J-PAL, too. I expect nothing newsworthy, although it won't be reported that way at the time. If it weren't for COVID-19, I wouldn't care at all about Thursday morning. But you got AstraZeneca and Eli Lilly reporting when it comes to the race for a vaccine. We know AstraZeneca is in the lead. We haven't really heard much about Lilly's anti-antibody strategy, although I actually expect great things from those humble Indianapolis people. And COVID aside, they have a habit of raising their forecast every quarter. I like this guys. After the close, things go crazy. First, there's Facebook, and Mark Zuckerberg has a chance to explain, listen, Mark, this is your plan, to how he plans to create More minority-owned Instagram shops than the Small Business Administration. He should challenge the SBA. It's the right thing to do, and it would also give him some much-needed positive publicity. Honestly, though, public image aside, Facebook's the cheapest way for small businesses to reach customers in their neighborhood. So it should have a fabulous quarter, even though some of the big dogs have left. We also hear from Amazon, Apple, and Alphabet that same night, and I expect all three to disappoint. Yeah, you heard me. Amazon on its forecast because this quarter will be tough to top. Apple on current st- sales because of store closings. And Alphabet because that's just what they do. What's the reality, though? We heard from Microsoft last week that in their Azure cloud business was actually a little less than stellar. I think they may have lost a step due to competition from Amazon Web Services and Cla- Google Cloud. I expect both companies to have excellent cloud numbers. The problem with Amazon is that the quarter is going to be a tough act to follow because now now that most people wear masks, it isn't as frightening to shop in person. I almost went shopping this weekend. Apple doesn't like to brag so they won't pound their chest on 5G. As for, and as for innovation, they saved that for the conferences. I hope Apple sells off. It may be your last chance to get in before 5G takes over the world. Even with the stock trading at 25 times earnings, uh, something I predicted based on the strength of their service revenue stream, it might turn out to be cheaper than it looks on a stay-at-home order st- uh, stuff from the App Store basis. Here's an outrageous prediction. Apple will finally break out the lifetime value of a customer, just like a consumer packaged goods company would do, because they have incredible customer loyalty. Remember, this is all about the razor razor blade from now on. Uh, the iPhone is the delivery system for apps and subscription services. And, you know, Siri set my alarm for 4 a.m. You know, that kind of thing. As for Alphabet, what can I say? I don't even know what a good quarter from Alphabet would look anymore. Uh, uh, although uh, neither does anybody else. The thing that's most disturbing about Alphabet is somehow, I heard on the Skyworks call, every second there are 84,000 Google searches and 85,000 YouTube viewings. How in the world are they not making a lot more money? Hey, maybe keeping kids at home for school will allow them to cheat on Google, and that could drive the numbers higher. Friday, we have Exxon and Chevron, which, that that was a joke, uh, which have become a tale of two cities. Exxon was always king to Chevron's pawn, no longer. Last week, Chevron bought Noble Energy, now it's playing offense. I I don't know what game Exxon's playing. Last but not least, Caterpillar reports could be a tough quarter, but they can claim it's all uphill because China and oil have bottomed. The bottom line, is Fang still investable and irresistible? Should we look elsewhere for gains? This is the week that we find out. Hey, how about we go to Cassie in New York? Cassie. (laughs) Hey, Jim. Booyah from Brooklyn, New York. Oh, man. How are you? How's Brooklyn handling itself? I don't know. I've been in absence lately. What's going on?
0: We've been good. We've been good. But, you know, I noticed as I walk my dog how much recycling on cardboard there is. And I called you once before about international paper. We stopped using plastic, so we use more paper. So, against your advice, I bought some in June. Now... I have it in my IRA, so I want to be careful. It gives me a nice dividend, and it's gone up, actually, 18% since June. So what
2: do you think, Jim? Give me some good advice. Well, you know, I mean, it should be doing better. You're right. It's got that good yield. The yield's fine, 5.5. Uh, Mark Sutton's doing an okay job. I expected so much more because, like you, I thought that with the environment, boom. But that and Westrock, they're just, yeah, they're bonds. Well, actually, Westrock cut us is- Dividend. I think you're fine. Not great, not bad. I hope your dog's good. Ben in Minnesota. Ben. Booyah, Jimmy Chill. Thanks for taking my call. Showman was after some people today who dissed me. I made them look like fools, the fools that they actually are, by making fun of the names that they pick, because nobody ever uses the real name who makes fun of me, unless their moms have really funny ideas about names. Go ahead.
3: I <laughs> well, love the show. It's been a huge Thank help you. to a new investor like me. Hey, All right. So, uh, I invested in Sony because I wanted to ride the rally of gaming during stay-at-home trends. All right. And I'm bullish
0: on the upcoming PlayStation Five launch, where it was recently reported that they're doubling production of the console to meet anticipated demand. Not to mention the announcement of a
3: digital-only console
0: that means higher margins on software. Right. I don't know too much about their other non-gaming-related businesses, but wanted to ask you. Are there any red flags in their other businesses? No, actually, their, their other businesses are,
2: are their other businesses are severely undervalued. You have a winner in Sony. I think it is a great company. Stay long, and congratulations, and thank you for the kind words. How about we go to Jack in
0: Massachusetts? Jack. Hey Jim, thanks for taking the call. Of course. Yeah, well, family and I love the show, so thanks for all that you do. And oh, that's great. On.
2: Let's look at something for Family to talk about. Especially in the age of pandemonium. I mean pandemic. Just kidding.
0: What's up? Yeah. Yeah, so um, I'm invested in Zoom right now and I'm kind of a I, I've got two thoughts. On one hand, I really love it. I love the CEO and I use it at work and I've been doing it with Everybody friends and I does. just love everything about it. All right. What's up? Everybody uses it at work. Uh, right? Yeah, and I've been yeah I've been using it for a while. It's it's been great, and and I'm all in. Um, on the other hand, I'm a little nervous about both competition with Microsoft Teams, and then I'm a little nervous about it being a little bit overvalued in price. So I want to get your thoughts on whether or not it'd be a smart move to maybe take a little bit of profit and sell, like, 25 to 50% of the I I don't I think own.
2: that's a bad trade to do that. But, you know, when you hear that Google's going to keep people away from July, <clears throat> bad chart, by the way. Uh, when you hear, frankly, that uh, WebEx is very good at the corporate level, but not in the individual, and that Teams, I don't know, I think that Teams isn't, isn't as good as Zoom. But, yeah, take a little off. You got a really nice game there. All right, this week is about earnings. And we'll find out if Fang is still investable, if not irresistible. Oh man, buddy, today, as stimulus talks continue, I'm going to sit down with House Minority Leader Kevin McCarthy for an update. And early on during stay-at-home orders, people were looking for ways to stay busy. Was Mattel a beneficiary? Let's play some Uno. I'm sitting down with the CEO to talk about its recent earnings report. And how could a delayed global launch of 5G impacting SkyWorks Solutions' potential for profits? Or is the sky the limit for a stock we've liked since six? I'm talking with the CEO, so stay with Kramer.
1: At indeed.com/slash madmoney. Just go to indeed.com/slash madmoney right now and support this show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash madmoney. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire, you need indeed.
2: Now that we're in the second wave of the pandemic. We need another big stimulus bill. But politics being politics, we won't get anything until the Republicans and Democrats in Congress come up with a compromise. Last week, we spoke to the Speaker of the House, Nancy Pelosi, who gave us the Democratic perspective. But we won't know what's realistic until we have the complete picture from both parties. And that's why we are so thrilled tonight to check in with House Minority Leader Kevin McCarthy, Pelosi's Republican counterpart. Do you a better sense of what his caucus wants and how this whole situation might play out? Leader McCarthy, welcome to Mad Money.
4: Hey, thank you. I'm excited to be here.
2: Well, first, sir, uh, there was a very stirring ceremony today uh, honoring a man, Representative John Lewis, who I think stands for consensus and trying to get things done. And uh, when I saw the ceremony, I said to myself, this is the kind of thing that I love. Respect for everyone. What was your feeling? And can it be extended to politics in general?
4: It it can. It, It showed the very best. I mean, we were celebrating John's life and anyone that knew him would respect him and love him. I, I just spoke with him two weeks beforehand. I was trying to do, get him to do a conference call with all the Republicans. Um, he was going through his chemo at the time to walk us through. I, I've been to Selma with him and others in his place. But today, think about this. His body, that casket that he was in, laid on the catapult that held Abraham Lincoln. When he was 23, he spoke at the Lincoln Memorial with Martin Luther King. When you ever wonder, are we a more perfect union? I was with him on the 50th anniversary, speaking in Selma, where he was almost beaten to death simply by getting people to register to vote, even though that they were black, and he was beaten. And on that day, he was introducing Barack Obama as President of the United States. He made this country better, and and even in this moment of time that we celebrate his life and his passing. I think it's an opportunity for, for us to come together as one. We've shown it so many times before. And if you were in the rotunda, the song of amazing grace, you should play it on the show. It was the most beautiful sound I have ever heard in that building. It, it was amazing. It really was.
3: Well, okay,
2: this gives me hope, gives America hope, I think. I'm listening to man the leader of the other party who has a very reasonable view on many different things. And I have to believe that when reasonable people get together, uh, good things can occur, and that maybe we can get some sort of timeline, just, it, look, in his honor, get money to people who might be without food. I'm sure that that would be something that he would be caring most about. So what's going to happen now?
4: Well, what's going to happen, you're going to see on the Senate side, they're going to introduce a bill. And remember, our whole government is designed to have compromise. You've got a Senate, you've got a House, no one's going to get 100% of what they want. So for those who say they can only have 100%, it's, it's not designed America to work that way. The House has passed something, I think even if you talk to the House Democrats, this $3 trillion bill, it is a lot of money, but more importantly, It would mention cannabis more than it mentioned research or jobs. And a lot of the items in there are almost like a wish list, things they all wanted politically before we even had COVID. We should really focus. If we want to help America get through this pandemic, we should structure it, public health and economics. Government told businesses to shut down so people are out of work. So I think we have a responsibility to help them put that bridge for the small business, put that bridge for individuals. So unemployment insurance will be very important. But I'm not one who believes one size fits all in unemployment insurance. So I believe that's a place that we can work together. And I think that is one of the drivers will help us get it there. Also liability protection. We know what trial lawyers will do. We know that small businesses will make a decision maybe not to open again if they're just going to be sued. We know schools and counties and cities will be sued. So could we give a liability protection that goes from 2019 into 2024? Because every day we learn something new about this virus. Things we thought before were not true because China lied to us. Let's give people the protection that we can move on and let's continue to advance it. Those that were out of work, let's help them bridge that gap. Those small businesses, PPP was a very big success, but states are shutting down again. Let's continue that help and that resource. There's still more than $1.2 trillion that we've already appropriated that is sitting out there that hasn't gone into the economy. More than $100 billion for states. Could we make that more flexible? That could get down to every city and county as well. I believe we can get there. So you're, you're going to hear some people making different points back and forth. That's part of making legislation. The deadline, I think, will probably get passed uh, July 31st, but I bet we probably get this done the first week of August.
2: Okay, well, leader, do you think that uh, $200 is too little versus uh, the Republic, the Democrats, $600? Or is $200 more than unemployment simply just make it so that people won't look hard for a job?
4: Well, 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 let's be honest with this. No one's going to go out with unemployment. The state already pays unemployment. So remember this, Jim, when we had our economic, economic meltdown, the Democrats controlled all. And what they did, they gave 200, I mean, 20 extra dollars from the federal government per week. We started with 600. $600 probably goes further than Bakersfield than it does in New York. Right. The country is much different. So if each state pays different unemployment, couldn't we just put a percentage of what the state pays and put that percentage added from the federal government instead of $600 across the board? Because I have heard from people that have a hard time that want to bring somebody back. I just heard from a small business today. They took the PPP loan and if they provide that money to pay for their employees, they get it as a grant they're worried that they can't get the people back, that now it's gonna become a loan instead of a grant and all they wanna do is give them money. They didn't have to work, but they got the payroll to keep them on, but they made more on unemployment. Now that's gonna run out here on the 31st. And the reason why we had to do that at that moment in time, COVID was coming upon us, we didn't know what, so we are just trying to make a quick bridge, had to put a bill very quickly. Now that we have information, why don't we write a bill with the latest data and information that would help the most? in this process of going forward for the economy and for someone's health.
2: Well, you're very right. I mean, at My Small Businesses, Uh, We want to get everybody back. We want to get everybody rolling. But we're restaurants, and you know that business. And you know that social distancing has made it so it's impossible to have enough tables. And we're trying to have people outside, but the state regulations and the city regulations make it so that if you do one little thing, they close you, and they threaten to take away your liquor license, all the things that you talk about. And yet these are state and local. That's why I want the feds to help. I am sure the people in Bakersfield know exactly what I'm talking about.
4: Look, when I was 20 years old, I I took winning $5,000 in the lottery, invested in the market, and I took that money and took a risk and started a deli. And there's three lessons I've learned from all my small businesses. You're the first to work, you're the last to leave and you're last to be paid. And the challenge is through this all COVID, you had no ability to have income coming in. That's where the PPP program came in, where, um, where government uh, helped that small business to pay their employees so they didn't go on to unemployment. Mm-hmm. It also allowed them to pay their rent and their utilities. But now that it's continuing to hit us in other places, here's a small business, a restaurant, barely opened up, can't open up inside, trying to make it through, buys all the, the food and others and told to shut back down, and that just spoiled they're in a real pain. The other thing we should look at, a lot of business are retooling based upon what has happened with China. Why wouldn't we put tax proposals in here for expensing of and others to bring that supply chain back to America? If companies are retooling and looking longer term, take the opportunity to make that happen. And why don't we change our national stockpile? Government shouldn't go and just stockpile something and hope that if something happens in 10 years it hasn't expired let's modernize it. Let's go to the businesses. Let's go to 3M and tell them to build an extra million masks and resell those every single year, but government do it. And then let's go to all of our allies and tell them they should do it here as well, because the rule of law, they'll get it. We look at Amazon and others, you could get that product in 24 hours, but also these companies know how to store it properly and not allow it to expire.
2: Unfortunately, we're going to have to cut off. I love you coming on. Uh, you know that I, I want to come on more. Yes, yes. And I know your knowledge of small business, which is what's really being hurt, is probably the best in Washington. So I want to thank you so much for coming on, House Minority Leader Kevin McCarthy. And thank you for your stirring words about, about Representative Lewis, because there really is hope. I, I love hope. that, man. He's okay. Amazing. Thank you, sir. Mad Money's you. back after the break.
1: Support for this program is provided by Chevron. Demand for energy is projected to continue rising in the future.
2: Hi, I'm Nick. I'm getting married
0: today. I'm also a firefighter and first responder. When you move over and slow down, you're making sure I can make it to my ceremony to start the next chapter of my life. When you see flashing lights, remember, they're not just roadside workers. Thank you for moving over and slowing down.
2: Some companies just can't get a break here. Take Mattel, It's a company best known for Barbie. You know that one. Hot Wheels. Hosts of other toys. Coming in this year, Mattel mounted a nice rally after a long period of being dragged down by the Toys R Us bankruptcy. And, yes, the trade war. Then the pandemic hit and stock got crushed. Since then, Mattel's been able to rebound. But last Thursday, the company reported what I thought was a pretty good quarter. I said so. Much higher sales, uh, uh, smaller than expected, earnings loss. While these weren't perfect numbers, I thought it was a lot better than feared. So what happens? The stock gets dinged for 2.5% on Friday. And today, Hasbro reports a lousy quarter. And the pin action causes Mattel to plunge more than 4%. Okay, I think it's nuts. Mattel just reported, and we know they're doing fine. Don't take it from me. Let's check in with Enon Kreis. He's the chairman and CEO of Mattel. Get a better read on the quarter and wear his company's headed. Mr. Kreis, welcome back to Mad Money.
5: Hi, Jim. Good to see you. Okay. In, it, it, in the second quarter, we demonstrated our execution capabilities and resilience of our brands. 2020, as we all know, is being shaped by exogenous and microeconomic factors. We entered the second quarter with extensive retail closures and distribution challenges and had to absorb the full quarter of COVID impact, but our results exceeded expectation. North America was up 3%, which is a huge achievement in spite of the disruption. Barbie was up 10%. Games, led by by Uno, also did extremely well. We saw very strong performance in e-commerce, which continued to grow strongly in all regions. POS more than doubled in North America, which represented approximately one-third of our total volume. Our POS was strong, high single digit, compared to a decline last quarter. And also, very importantly, we were able to improve our gross margin by 410 basis points and reached our highest second quarter gross margin since 2016. So we are very encouraged by by our performance in the second quarter in spite of the disruption.
2: Okay, so Inan, you know, can we um, believe that all that goodness could translate overseas? Because if that's the case, you're stocked up.
5: Well, we had more brittle closure internationally, but even with that, we saw uh, high, we saw single-digit growth in POS in, in Europe, Middle East, and Africa, and grew share in the E six in the second quarter. So we still expect to see improvement in the second half in the international market. All
2: right, let's talk about Barbie. How did Barbie have a year of growth that you probably, I don't know when the last time Barbie grew like this, and what did you do to make it so that Barbie had more appeal?
5: Well, Barbie did phenomenally well. Not only it grew 10% in revenue, it actually increased 35% in consumer demand. Barbie performed well across the board. It's really about great product, new innovation, cultural relevance, effective demand creation, and original content that we created that continues to drive demand. Barbie was the number one toy property in the U.S. for five consecutive weeks, according to NPD. We saw growth across almost all segments and strong momentum for color reveal. Even Barbie Dreamhouse was a top 10 selling item In the U.S., quarter-to-date and year-to-date, where normally it's more of a holiday-selling item.
2: Now, how about American Girl? Can you reignite?
5: American Girl is continuing its transformation. We more than doubled our e-commerce, direct-to-consumer business. And we are very encouraged by the momentum we're seeing, early signs of a turn in spite of the disruption.
2: All right. Now, how about the the nine movies? I'm worried about movies, as everybody is. I mean, look, there's a lot of COVID issues, right? But you had an entertainment idea that is so brilliant. And, you know, I believe it. I never would have thought a pandemic get away of it because your background indicates that when you pull off the movies, that's what makes me think that the stock has so much mojo.
5: Yeah, we're very bullish about movie strategy driven by the strength of our IP, the strength of our catalog. We announced, as you know, nine movie projects by now. The most recent was in partnership with Universal Pictures around Wishbone, The Dog, based on the hit series on PBS in the 90s. This is in partnership with Peter Farley, who is an Oscar winner. And this is yet another example for the strength of of our catalog and the interest that our brands generate within the creative community.
2: Okay, so I want you to talk about the Playfair initiative, because this is really important in this day and age. Because you're approaching these issues the way they have to be approached. I want people to hear it.
5: Uh, We take our role as a responsible corporate citizen very seriously. We took a stand against systemic racism with the launch of our Playfair program. This was developed to drive change and create new ways to support the black community. Our commitment includes developing and recruiting black talent and creating product, content, and experiences centered around diversity. And we're very proud of the role we play and the progress we're making.
2: And what have you done with
5: Barbie along those lines? As well, of course, Barbie product, but you know, this doesn't end here. Okay. We're also cultivating a work environment that promotes equality, inclusion, and empowerment. We recently announced our DNI goals, diversity and inclusion goals, to increase female and minority representation at all levels of the organization.
2: Okay, so tell me about Fisher-Price. How do you, I mean, I I would have thought, I mean, when I saw that Uno had unbelievable numbers, I said, geez, well, every little game, every kid's game has got to be great. But not everyone was.
5: Well, talking about our games category, games did phenomenally well for Mattel. We continue to grow this business and performed uh, exceptionally well with uh, with Uno. We actually had our best second quarter ever in the history of the company and the best first half ever in the history of Mattel. Games, the consumer demand increased significantly, was up double-digit. We had our fifth consecutive quarter of POS growth. Uno was the number one game in the U.S., according to NPD, and had its ninth consecutive quarter of year over year growth. So we're very encouraged by the momentum we have in our games category. But even Fisher-Price, you mentioned Fisher-Price. Yes, because you weren't happy with Fisher-Price. Well, Fisher-Price had uh, a double digit POS growth, driven by demand for Fisher-Price score and general progress with the uh, overall turnaround strategy. This is the first time we had POS growth for the brand in years. So this is very encouraging and bodes well for the continued turnaround of this crucial uh, and very important brand.
2: Well, Enon, you know, I, I know you're going to I mean, you, you can't catch a break, but what you're doing underneath is phenomenal, which is why I believe in this turn at Mattel. Enon Christ, chairman and CEO of Mattel. You know, look, I know everyone likes low dollar stocks. I usually do not recommend them, but this one has a lot of things going for it. have Money's back after the break. Last week, we got an incredible quarter from Skywork Solutions. That's the radio frequency chip maker. It's an essential part of most smartphones. But because the market didn't have much appetite that day for tech at the time, the stock actually went lower. And that's crazy. It made losses today, although it's still barely up versus where it was trading before the quarter. That's ridiculous, people. Skyworks posted a terrific 12-cent earnings beat off a $1.13 basis, substantially higher than expected sales, incredibly bullish forecasts, both for next quarter and the full year. Nobody even offers forecasts. These guys had a great one. I know the stock's up. It's right. It's up 57% since we last spoke to the CEO in late March, and he told a very compelling story about 5G. At the same time, the world seemed like it was ending, but he was dead right. And we said it's the ultimate 5G stock. So can this thing keep climbing? Let's check in with the bankable Liam Griffin. He's the president and CEO of Skyward Solutions. From more about the quarter of the company's prospects. Mr. Griffin, welcome back to Mad Money.
3: Uh, great to be back again, Jim. Hope you're well.
2: Oh, yeah. I, I hope you're staying well. I know your, your family's staying well. So let me ask you something, Liam. Well, David Aldridge came on this show when we first started. The stock was at 6 bucks. He was very yeah. bullish. Uh, didn't understand why it was at 6 you know, Then it just had an amazing run. I feel that it's back at six when I listen to you in terms of the the runway, in terms of the total addressable market. It was that bold that conference call. You really believe we are at the very beginning of five G. One
3: hundred percent, Jim. You and I have been talking about this for years. Let's go back to our traffic jam conversation in twenty sixteen. These themes are playing out. Wireless connectivity. 3G to 4G, and now this incredible inflection in 5G is just revolutionary. And one of the amazing things here is despite, you know, the horrific effects of a pandemic, we're seeing a usage case change where connectivity, seamless, safe, wireless connectivity, is really, really critical today for everyone as we work, as we play, as we educate. And we're just thrilled to be a part of that ecosystem.
2: Well, you were talking about, tell people what happens in a typical one second every day. It's amazing.
3: Oh, my gosh, 84,000 videos, 5 million Skype calls. It goes on and on. Telemedicine, which we actually can't even track the data. There's so much volatility there and so much demand. Uh, If you think about where that world is going, where our world is changing, it's going to be an incredible opportunity for Skyworks in so many different markets.
2: Now, we know telco, but you gave us the first time. People always say Internet of Things. I always try to pin them down. You mentioned a company we like very much, which reported on Friday that you do something with Honeywell. What is it that you would do so people understand IoT?
3: Yeah, so what we do in IoT, companies like Honeywell and companies like Bosch or even companies like Raytheon, they need that wireless connection to run their business, to run their factories, to communicate with their machines. And so what we do, Jim, is we use the same core 5G engines that will go in a leading smartphone player and we'll configure and customize those solutions bite-sized level solutions, so they can go anywhere, anywhere in the industrial area, anywhere in the consumer market, security, et cetera. And that's going to be one of the biggest opportunities for Skyworks over the next five years. And we'll keep our eyes on the demand, but it's certainly a big market for us.
2: Now, you did not need to give guidance, but not only did you give uh, incredible guidance for next quarter, but you gave it for the year. Why? I mean, why don't you skate like everybody else? No one else gives guidance.
3: Yeah, well, you know what? We were so, so opportunistic now here with, with what we see Uh, If you looked at our quarter that we reported, we beat by 50 million. And then we upsided Q4 by 100 million. So we have that confidence in the business. We have very strong backlog. We're we're with all the leading OEMs, all the leading customers. Still some supply chain hiccups, Jim, actually, but we're getting through it. But the demand profile and the appetite for 5G and IoT and some of these new communication standards is extremely high, and we're looking forward to executing
2: uh, without necessarily naming any names, it, will everyone have a 5G offering by this time next year?
3: Yes, I believe that'll happen. It's not there yet. We still have 7 billion subscribers out there, and the Lion's Share don't have 5G, maybe 10% do. Okay, so but as we start to go longer, next quarter and the quarter after, we're going to start to see that pipeline fill up, and invariably you're going to see a lot of Skyworks content within those phones. All
2: right, so you and I are huge sports fans. Are you telling me, I mean, I watch so many sports on my my, uh, Apple iPhone. What will make, what will look different with 5G versus what I have?
3: Well, this is what I'll say. Everybody talks about work from home. Let's talk about work from anywhere. I know you want to stream your Phillies. You don't have to be home. You could be anywhere, Jim, with a 5G solution and a strong smartphone. Take it anywhere. Take it to the beach. Take it to your house in the Hamptons if you have it. Anywhere you want. That's the beauty of this. And it's not just going to be media. It's, again, it's going to be security, it's going to be telemedicine, it's going to be education. All of these really interesting markets, they need high-speed, seamless, low-latency connectivity, and that's what we do. That's our bread and butter. Okay, so
2: when you say that you're selling, this is one that I, people say, Jim, I don't get this thing at all. They sell on $150 million of this bowel I mean, you know, you've got these, it, it's, you, you have a, a really, yes. right. Could you please tell people what that is? Because people are saying, Jim, you don't understand, that is so many bulk acoustic wave filterings. And I'm saying, well, I don't, maybe I'll ask Leah, maybe he'll tell us what it means.
3: Yeah, we're going to go technical here for a minute, okay? okay. So when you think about the device that we, that, that we provide, the systems that we provide, we create solutions, platform-based, our Sky 5, for example. It includes gallium arsenide, it includes silicon, it includes filtering. And filtering is what keeps us in our lanes. If you look at 2G, 3G, and 4G, the filtering, really difficult and challenging, and we have a factory that does 8 billion soft filters a year to manage that spectrum. When we go to 5G, These are new lanes. This is new area. This is new territory. And it requires unique filtering. Bulk Acoustic Wave is that filtering. And we've been working on it organically. We shipped over 150 million modules in the last probably nine months. But our ambition is to go millions and millions and millions higher. So it's a unique technology that really plays well in that core 5G solution. So it's going to be upside. It's in our revenue today very lightly. But as we start to move, with $8 billion in T.C. Saw, you know the ambition for balls is going to be in that neighborhood. So a lot to do from here.
2: Well, look, I, I just think that uh, I'm so glad for you guys. You deserve it. Uh, and I think that it was remarkable to me when I took Friday off and I saw the stock was down. I said, oh, God, I wish I had a show so I could tell people. But nope. And, but they bought it this morning.
3: Yeah, no, the timing was great, my friend. I knew you know we were going to talk today, but it all worked out.
2: All right, terrific, Liam. Great, great. Always great to see you. That's Liam Griffin. He's president and CEO of Skyward Solutions. Listen, guys, it's not over. I said at six to buy it. I'm reiterating at these levels. Bad money's back after the break. It is time. It's time to lay the and then the lightning round is over. Are you ready? Ski, get it. It's over the night. We're going to start with Matt. and are Matt. Booyah, Jim. Booyah. Jim, shout out to my hero, my dad, Scott, who watches your show every night at volume high. I like shout that. out to my lovely wife, Nancy, and amazing son, Finley. We're all looking forward to investing in Palantir when it, when it becomes public. Oh, that's going to For be a That's bad. a very smart company. All right, what's up? You can invest in Alteryx, A-Y-X. Oh, man. Man, they're wiping the floor with spreadsheets. I think they are fantastic. I love that guy. Ah! Jerry in Oklahoma, Jerry. Hey, man, what's going on? I don't know. You tell me.
0: All right, Jim, here's what's going on, man. I need to know what is up with One Oak Stock. We have a lot of shares. We have over 10,000 shares. And I wow. want to know if it's going to be a good stock again like it was back in April.
2: What stock's that? One Oak. You know, they managed to okay. an equity offering. It was so smart. It makes me feel pretty good about the dividend. I know the yield's 13%, so it does look like the dividend's going to be cut. That said, I hate that industry so much. But I, they, this is the oil pipeline. Uh, I, I hate it. I mean, I can't tell. I mean, I, I, you know, I had one buried in my backyard at one point. I mean, if I still had it, I would, I would take a backhoe to it. Get out of that industry. Let's go to Chris in New York. Chris. Hey, Jim Cramer. I've been
0: watching you since 2005. Thank you very much. Thank well, you. Thank you. What's up? Oh, man, I got a stock that I hope is the next
2: Regenron. Well, I'm just like potluck. Transmedics. TMDX. Guinness I know that party. company. I know that company. And it's organ failure. It's a very, very tough business. Very tough. But as long as you recognize that's a speculative situation, I bless it. Walton, Pennsylvania, Walt!
3: Jim, booyah! How you doing, Jim? I'm
2: having a good day. How about you?
3: Good. Army many Eagles filled up, your brother?
2: Um, I just want a healthy team. I'm like, I want yep. plexiglass between
3: every player. What's going on? There you on? go. Listen, got a question for you. Two quick questions on AT&T. One, what's your opinion of the CEO, the new one that they just got? And the second one is the dividend. It pays a 7% yield. I want to know your opinion. on The the cash flow uh, is
2: good there. The new CEO put himself okay when I interviewed him. I just don't like the fact that the stock is still yielding 7%. It makes me uncomfortable. I thought Verizon's quarter was excellent. Let's not mess with success. Marcus in Florida. Marcus. Booyah, Jim. How are you doing? All right, how about you? very good hey listen my daughters and I are big fun of your show thanks for all your service and everything Uh, you do for us I hope they like the show I'm glad Uh, what's your take on American Express Jim Steve Squirey had an unbelievable conference call that was a great conference call I expected the worst and I was surprised to the upside it was really terrific small business doing incredibly well wow it was a wowza conference call so I'm okay with it how about Bob in New York Bob hey booyah Jim we are So, so Sunrun,
3: are you in? Oh, man, that I thing is just, come over. on, come on, yeah. we got
2: to ka-ching, ching We got to ka-ching, ching Too much money being made in too short a period of time. I want some off the table. Matt in the Alina. Matt.
5: Hey, Jim, how you doing? Big
0: fan. Thank you. So, uh, Bloom and Pop with some mixed but upbeat guidance last Friday. Do you see the stock continue to gain this type of momentum? Yeah, forward? I got to
2: tell you, we saw an upgrade this morning. I guess they can handle it. I don't know many restaurants that can sit down and and still have enough customers, but they look like they can handle it. So I'm okay with it. How about Dominic in Ohio? Dominic. Hey, Booyah, Chillman. Greetings from Columbus. Well, terrific, man. What's going on? We playing this summer this year? uh, Big Ten, right? We're going to play? Go ahead. Oh, we're going to play, absolutely. The heck? Why not? Got to be optimistic here. I like that attitude. Go ahead. (laughs) Go ahead. So, Jim, what are your thoughts on Intel at these levels? All right, Intel's now, I mean, it has changed up the uh, a chief side, chief uh, engineer. All right, Intel's too low, all right? This is Eric Johnson talking. He works for in the street, and we are buzzing about it. It's too low to sell. Uh, I, 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 but I, I don't have an upside. I don't have a reason to buy it. Don't have a reason. And that, ladies and gentlemen, of the Lightning Round.
0: The Lightning Round is sponsored by TD Ameritrade.
2: You want to know the truth about this virus? It's very simple. We have underestimated this thing every step of the way. And while we're doing a better job of keeping people alive, we still don't have a reliable way to quickly test whether or not you have it or effectively treat it, let alone contain it, as we saw from the baseball Miami Marlins outbreak just today. Sure, deaths are down, and that's great. But when entire Major League Baseball teams are coming down with this thing, it makes you feel kind of like we're nowhere. In short, we're fools for believing we have the pandemic under control. We're not winning. The virus is winning. It's not just our lack of testing infrastructure or lack of hospital capacity. It's COVID-19 itself. I know we have the worst outbreak in the world by far, but look at the rest of the world. Spain crushed this thing after hideous losses. Now it's back. Asian countries that practically wiped out the virus are seeing a second wave. Only China seems to have it under control, either because they're an authoritarian regime that can force people to comply with health and safety regulations or because they're juking the stats. Maybe both. Don't get me wrong. We're in much worse shape than any other country, except maybe Sweden or Brazil, both of which pretty much just chose to do nothing. People like to blame America's live-free-or-die mentality, and that definitely doesn't help. But you know what the real problem is? It's something that historically cut in our favor. It's our incurable optimism. We've got a tangled knot of problems that are very hard to deal with when you're wearing rose-colored glasses. We can't contain the virus without wrecking a huge chunk of the economy. Small retailers and restaurants without the big balance sheets needed to adapt uh, adapt to social distancing have discovered that it's the true anathema. Remember, there's 14 million people in that business. Some restaurants are hanging on by a thread thanks to outdoor dining, but uh, they're finished the moment it becomes too cold to eat outside. Local and state politicians have taken the lead in fighting this thing, mostly because there's been a lack of federal leadership, but only the federal government has the power to beat this. Every other entity is too small, too clueless. Truth be told, I started the mask competition at XPRIZE.org because I knew the president disliked masks. I thought maybe I came up with one more enticing. He might get him on board. Super important, given that masks are the most effective, least disruptive way to combat covid Here's another example. We're doing nearly a million tests per day, but many of them are not very helpful because the results take so long to process. And the results take forever because we have really let a few companies control the whole process. Uh, Think LabCorp, Quest Diagnostics, to the lesser extent BioReference. It's a huge and obvious bottleneck. Instead of grilling the CEOs of Amazon, Alphabet, Facebook, and Apple about antitrust, that's just money. Congress should be hauling down LabCorp and Quest, the two big testers, to figure out what went wrong. The industry is a classic duopoly, and we're getting bad service because there barely is any meaningful competition. So let's make them explain why we shouldn't just have the government take over testing. Give it to the military. We have double-digit unemployment. It really shouldn't be that hard to find staff for additional labs to process these tests. Somehow Major League Baseball, the NBA, and the NFL have no backlog. It's not like it's impossible. I guess you have to be a professional athlete. Our whole response has been so fraught with misinformation and a lack of government oversight that it's come down to private industry to beat this scourge. And private industry is not enough. See, private industry, understandably, wants to make a lot of money. That's what business is for. We need the government to step in, declare war on COVID and seize whatever mechanisms they need to get this thing done until there's a vaccine. It's not happening, though. Many of these Sunbelt governors only caved on masks once the big-box stores started making them mandatory, and they only did that after Costco provided that no-mask, no-service policy, and it turned out to be great for business. Then there's the economic side of the equation. Congress spent months dithering, even though they knew the expanded jobless benefits would expire at the end of this month. They figured out, well, we'd be out of the woods by then, didn't they? And now there could be a multi-week delay before we get another stimulus package. Again, too much optimism. I could go on and on, but maybe the worst way we underestimated the virus is this belief that we could come up with a vaccine ASAP, and that's the only thing that matters. I hope we get a vaccine sooner than expected, but that hope is why COVID keeps running circles around us. So for once, can we please prepare for the worst? Hope is not going to beat this thing. What we need is determination, and that's been in short supply against the wily enemy that after all these months, we still know next to nothing about. Stick with Kramer. American Greed is back with new reporting and more greed. Tonight, Jordan Belfort, you remember him, the wolf of Wall Street, who scammed more than $200 million from investors, then turned his life of sex, drugs, and crime into box office gold? Well, now he's suing the production company that made the hit film for $300 bucks, And that's not all. So don't miss American Greed, biggest cons at 10 p.m. I like that Mattel story at 10 bucks. I mean, look, I mean, Enon Christ has been pretty luckless. If he ever gets a bit of luck, that stock goes higher. Like I said, there's always a bull market somewhere. i trying to find it just for you right here on Bad Money. I'm Jim Kramer, and I will see you
0: tomorrow. Hey there, I'm Brad. I'm about to win the Tuesday Night Bowling League Championship. I'm also a highway worker for the Ohio Department of Transportation. When you move over and slow down, you're making sure I can bowl the winning strike with my buddies. Remember, they're not just roadside workers. Thank you for moving over and slowing down.